On Personally Speaking this week, our guest is the great actor Joe Mantegna. Uh, he's well known to many people for his movies and television Broadway stage. He has a new program out now that addresses the issue of autism. This is the second part of our interview. Stay with us. Welcome to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Gimlisanti. Veteran actor Joe Montagna joins me now. Joe has had a long and very successful career that spans nearly 50 years and 150 credits from The Money Pit and Three Amigos to The Simpsons and Criminal Minds on television. His latest project, the Amazon series As We See It, hits closer to home than anything else he may have ever done. The show, which is now streaming, follows three young adults on the autism spectrum as they manure through life and try to fit into society. Joining me now, I'm so pleased to welcome back to Personally Speaking, the wonderful actor, Joe Montaigne, the autism spectrum. And it's his personal experience that made him feel a deep emotional connection to this role. He's here with us today to talk about this role, his life, his career, his faith, his family, and the values that mean the most to him. Joining me now, I'm so pleased to welcome back to Personally Speaking, the wonderful actor, Joe Montaigne. He says, my mother was unique in the way that she, a lot of things she just kind of didn't quite understand and it was fine and it was okay, and probably maybe for the best. And he said, well, my brother Joey doesn't even know this, but when he got the TV series, Criminal Minds, my, our mother called him and she says, Ronnie, I'm worried about Joey. <laughs> and my brother goes, why? And she goes, he's only working an hour a week. Because now she's been told I'm going to be on the show every Wednesday night at nine yeah. o'clock. So in her mind, it was like, well, in the past, she knew I was making movies, doing plays, but she assumed I was doing like nine to five, like her, everybody does, working 40 hours a week. Now she sees me on the TV one hour from nine to 10 every Wednesday. How much money could I be making? How can I, how can I support my kids? My brothers and tell her, no, it's okay. And I've always told people, people ask me about stuff like that, about how, what were your parents like with your career? I said, look, it was the best possible thing because my mother never really understood what I did for a living anyway. And she just only cared about how's the kids doing, how you doing? And of course, I tell her, watch this or watch that. And she'd yeah. see it, and she, but she didn't understand it. Like when I won the Tony Award, she told all her friends, Joey won the Oscar. For the <laughs> She didn't know what the Tony Award was. Good for her. So, so, so you to answer your question, she had an incredible outlook on life. She never yeah. let anything get to her. And I mean, she's that, that, that. I always said my parents had a mixed marriage. My father was Sicilian. And the Sicilian <laughs> side of my family is very kind of, we've got that thing. Like when they look at you, you wonder, are, are they happy to see me or are they upset about something? That kind of thing. <laughs> Or my mother's side of the family, they all thought they were like Dean Martin. And I was like, eh, they, just, they were from Puglia. They were from, they were from Puglia. They were from, you know, the, the, that Southern Italian kind of. Right, right. That kind of. And her, her whole family was like that. Yeah. So I, I, in a way, I hopefully, I think, I, I can't help it. I, I know I'm a mixture of both because I have my darker side in those moments that I can get very Sicilian about things. 
but I, but hopefully I've got that other side, my mother's side, which is you, you, know you certainly you have both, Joe. No doubt. I hope so. Let, let hope me so. let me ask you uh, an immigrant question. Um, probably the first interview I did, I, I mentioned to you before, hundred years ago, was with Frank Capra, and and I said to him, Frank, what kind of Catholic have you been in your life? And he said, uh, not the best. He said, I came here as an immigrant from Italy, from Sicily. He said, and uh, I looked around, and all the successful people were wasps. He said, so I decided that the only way this Italian Catholic guy was going to fit in was to become like them. He said, so I left the Catholic Church. I became four or five different Protestants until my Protestant wife, Lucille, said to me one day, you are never going to be the man you're supposed to be till you go home. And she got me back into the Catholic faith. He said, but no, I wasn't a very good Catholic. He said, because I wanted to fit in. I mentioned yeah. that because you have both parents who came from Italy. Did, did they run into obstacles that were hard to overcome? And uh, how do you fit into mainstream America when you're coming with a different language, different culture, different background? How well, tough was it? I, it wasn't that tough only because the, the environment I grew up in was almost like a, 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 a miniature version of what they grew up with anyway. Ah. In other words, the, the, it was where I grew up on the west side of Chicago, it was a mixed bag. Not what, my parents did grow up more in the little Italy part. Okay. But by the time I was born, they migrated a few blocks away. But there was still a strong Italian influence, you know. Oh, and so, plus all my my family on both sides, right, right. So the traditions were always there. This that my grandmothers on both sides they were very religious. They had the statues all over the place, and you know, my grandma, <laughs> grandmother gave me the little plastic Jesus to put on on the car dashboard, and you know, all of that stuff. So I mean, there was that. And then I even I, I didn't go to Catholic school, but except for two years, seven. Uh, sixth and seventh grade, but the okay. only reason being because of the finances. Yeah. Public school was free. Right, right. And, but it got to the point, and the only reason I went to Catholic school for the two years was in Chicago. At the time, the neighborhood started to change, and it became, this is, the, we're talking the 50s here, late 50s. It, it turned into an all-black neighborhood, and my, my father didn't have the money to, to, to actually leave. And in fact, a black family bought the, the building we lived in. So we're wow. paying rent to a black family downstairs. And, and my, what I loved about my father, though, he had no prejudice about that. It wasn't like he yeah. was prejudiced toward black people. He really wasn't because he sold insurance before he finally retired and because of his illnesses. Uh, and, he, and he sold insurance in, in black neighborhoods. And so he, 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 he had a sympathy for them, understood them. Yeah. And, but yet, it got, for me as a kid, it got to be a somewhat, the public school was becoming almost, like, it was like one of like three white kids in the, right, in the class. Right, right. And, and with the racial tensions in the late 50s, it just that didn't fly. So for sixth and seventh grade, we, could, we couldn't afford to move out of the neighborhood, but at least I could go, make, we'll go to Catholic school, at least it's going to be a little safer for Joey to get that age. Uh, and then finally for eighth grade, we finally moved to Cicero, Illinois, which was where his sister lived and it was, you know, and, and, and it was, you know, we're out of that neighborhood west. Because to this day, the west side of Chicago is like Chicago's worst ghetto, really, still, right. unfortunately. But, uh, but so anyway, the, the, so the, so I had the Catholic, those two years of, you know, having nuns and brothers. And, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I mean, I got that immersion for those couple of years. But then it was right <laughs> back to public school. Once we got the sister on, we couldn't, there was no way they could afford to send me to Catholic high school. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I went to public school and all that. But my feeling about religion is such as this. Like Frank, I would be the first to say I'm not a good Catholic. And I still won't say I'm a good Catholic. But mm. I will say this. Look, I've been wearing this for most of my life. Mm. You know, 
Uh, and the reason, and so people go, oh, you're, you're, you're Christian. I said, yeah, I'm Catholic, I'm Catholic. But I wear this because this is what I believe. Yeah. You know, this is the belief system that I came to. I got to a point where I thought to myself, okay, I was raised a Catholic, but what about all those other people? What about the Protestants? What about the Muslims? What about the Buddhists? What about, are they all wrong? Where do you, we got it right. They all got it wrong. Is that it? And the older I got, the more I thought, I don't know if that's it. But I thought to myself, but this, what makes sense to me is that this is the path I take to get to that top of the mountain where truth, where God is. Whoever, what, we all have a different name for it. But it's all the same thing. That it's all at this, think of it as a mountain. And at the very tip top of this mountain, that's the real story. That's the whole Megillah. Yeah. Catholicism is this road. Buddhism is that road. The Muslims are here. The, the Hindus, the, you name them, they've all got their own way they feel to get to that point. This is the path I'm taking. I don't no. know if it's. The no, right it's, one, it's the wrong one, or any better than anybody else's. But it's the one I'm on, and, I, and it's too late to, to, to change modes. <laughs> Looking into another one. <laughs> I don't want you changing modes. Um, oh, no. You know, I, you're reminding me as I'm listening to you, Joe. I don't know if you remember, but twice, uh, John Paul uh, invited all the religious leaders of the world to Assisi to pray together. And some of the cardinals around him gave him a hard time for that. What are you doing? You're making us equal to the others. Uh, we got the true faith. And, and John Paul talked about Every path to God must be honored. He said, for me, my Catholic Christian faith does it. And uh, he said, but for other people, as you're saying, they're all looking for the top of the mountain, you know, and, uh, but, but whatever path, so long as a path is followed, a way of life is followed. One of the ways you put your faith into action, and I promise I'll wrap soon, but no, no, is it, you, you and, and Gary Sinise, Gary was a guest a couple of years ago, have regularly been devoted to our veterans and to men and women in the armed forces. Where does that come from in you, Joe? It, 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 I got to say, it, it came late, later, because it was something that I think I took somewhat for granted. First of all, my, my mother had four brothers. Okay. All four of them fought in World War II. Wow. All combat veterans. One even was a prisoner of war for a year in a prison mm. camp in Germany. Uh, my Uncle Willie, who I was, after my father died, became like my surrogate father to me. He fought under General Patton, you know. Uh, my, my uncle Tony was a bombardier. Uh, my uncle Jack was a Marine and, and was on the USS Enterprise. So, I mean, I had this rich history of family. And then my dad's brother, my uncle Sam, was a Marine on the USS Chicago and, uh, and was at Pearl Harbor. So I had this incredibly rich history, but I wasn't really aware of it. It wasn't like, because they never talked about it. It wasn't a factor. It wasn't part of our day-to-day -day conversation. Yeah. It was kind of like, eh, it's, it, yeah, we have uncles that were involved in the military. That was it. The only reason my dad wasn't is he was hospitalized all during World War mm -hmm. II with tuberculosis. And that's why he only had part of one lung. He was in a sanitarium for like two and a half years before I was even born. I shouldn't have even been born. They said he only gave him about six years to live when he got out of there. He wound up living another 30 years, you know, smoking, drinking. And that's yeah. But anyway, it wasn't until, and I could almost pick the, the year it was, when the great, the wonderful actor Charles Durning, remember Charlie Durning? Charlie Durning was a Silver Star recipient fought World War II. He was involved with this Memorial Day concert and asked me if I would participate in it one year. I was, I was doing that series, Joan of Arcadia at the time. 
And I remember he came to me and said, Joe, we'll go to Washington. You just have to read some of these couple of things on stage and it's for Memorial Day. He said, they would love to have you. And I thought, well, Memorial Day. We don't do much in Memorial Day. Because like I said, my uncles, we didn't lose anybody. They all came back from World War II. Right, right. So we didn't have any, we didn't go to the cemetery in Memorial I said, all right, well, I'll do that. And I did it. And that was, it was three months after, it was the Memorial Day after 9-11. So it was that Memorial Day, 2002. I get there, Jim. And what I had to do, my job, and not, not knowing what this concert was, I wasn't that familiar. I had to get up on a stage, and in front of me is the U.S. Capitol. In front of me are 200,000 people live, standing. Behind me is the Washington Symphony Orchestra. <laughs> on the sides of me are giant screens, movie screens. They're broadcasting the film, the footage, the planes flying into the World Trade Center. The, the orchestra is playing Mozart's Requiem. And I, what my job was is to read the words of the four New York firemen who had all lost their sons in 9-11. And they're sitting in the first row in front of 200,000 people in their dress blue uniforms with their wives. And the one guy, John Vigiano, had lost both his sons because one was the fireman and the other was a New York policeman who had went to the World Trade Center knowing his brother would be there and he perished. And now I'm saying, as the music is playing Mozart's Requiem, um, 200,000 people, the flag is flying on the Capitol. And I'm saying lines like, because these are words that they pre-interviewed these people to build, they tell these stories. I'm saying, it's a good day when on the site, they find a piece of clothing that belonged to your son. And it's all I could do to get through it. And then yeah. I realized, yeah. this isn't an acting job. I'm recounting history yeah. and I'm telling this story. And when I got to the end of it, I, I walk off the stage and they, they stand and I, and I hug these firemen and their wives and I lose it. I mean, they're comforting me. <laughs> I'm gone and I, my legs are shaking and I'm walking away and I'm saying to myself, I, 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 I've never been like, this is, this, it affected me in such a way. And it made me realize, like it all came like a ton of bricks. Yeah, we all have sacrifices in lives. But then here's this instance where, mm. you know, okay, now we, now we, and due, due to this, months later, of course, we're going to be sending a lot of young men and women, you know, overseas. And a lot of them ain't coming back. There's going to be hell to pay for what happened with 9-11. Yeah. And then you start thinking about everything else. Uh, da, 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 and the whole what about when, you know. And then from that point on, it really hit me. And then I'd go to, like, I was doing a movie in, in Paris. We were shooting in a small town called Rambouillet, France. And I remember we were driving from Paris to Rambouillet. And as we pulled in to the town, I see an American flag flying way up high next to a French flag. I go, what the hell is that? And the driver. And he goes, well, we'll drive over there. And of course, it was a military cemetery. And I, and I get out of the car and I say, we got, we got a little time. Let me walk in there. And I walk in there and I realize here's this beautiful little French town, like an hour outside Paris. And, and buried there are all these American GIs. And of course, there's other cemeteries like that all over Europe. Yeah. And then I realize these are guys that are like 19 years old, 20 yes. years old, you know, and they're here. They're buried. They're not even at home. You know, they didn't have a life. Look at me. I'm going to make, I'm making a movie, you know. 
and so it's that, Jim. And so that's when I realized, and I went to the people at the, at the concert, and I said, look, if you ever want me to do this again, I'm in. Of course, they said, we're glad. We'll come in next year. As it turned <laughs> out, Ozzie Davis then passed away, who was the host. Uh, and then they came to me on the third year and said, would you take over as host of uh, the concert to be the, the host? And I was like, the MC, like, and I said, okay. And that's when it came to me. I said, but look, we got to bring in somebody else that was, does more for the military than I've ever dreamed of. That was Gary. Mm. Gary was very involved with his foundation. You know, he, you know, he, he was already, he was already there. I was just kind of getting there now. He was there. So I called Gary. I said, Gary, why don't you come with your band, play at the concert, see how this goes for you, you know? And he, and he was doing a show. He was overseas with, with his band playing at some army base or whatever. He did it. This was like 2004, I think it was. Mm -hmm. 2004 or five. He comes in. Does, he gets the same reaction. Because he, he, I told him, I says, how, how many people you normally play for when you play with these army bases? He goes, oh, we get big crowds. He goes, we'll get like 15,000 troops out there. I go, okay. You know, strap on your boots, pal. I said, this is a whole other thing. And of course... When they hit the stage and realized there's a quarter of a million people in front of them, and most of them are vets and families of vets, and they're and people that and they bring people in the hospitals. You got people from from uh, 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 you know uh, Walter Reed and all Walter that, Reed, sure. and Bethesda, you know, in in beds and stuff in the back and stuff. And Gary looked; he had the same reaction I did when the concert was over. He said to me, "Joe." I'll do this as long as you want. He said, well, then how about we do it together? Let's host it together, you and I. And we've been doing it together, co-host for the last 17 years now. And it's such wow. a wonderful program. Again, to remind us, uh, because these guys don't create, take credit on their own, it, it, we have to highlight the greatness of what they do and what they did, because God knows, for some reason, they don't seem to step up to the spotlight. You know, my dad was Marine captain in the Pacific World War II, and I constantly asked him questions, and he'd deflect all the time. You know, there's a absolutely amazing humility in these guys, uh, truly amazing. Joe, you know, we've gone many different directions here, but one of the purposes of, of having you on was that people would not miss a chance to watch on the Amazon series as we as see it. We see it yeah. What's your hope for that series? Why should people watch it? What do you hope they learn? My, my only hope is this, and I, I, I'll to get that, I get that question asked about a lot of different projects. Like, what do you hope people take away from yeah, yeah. this thing that you're doing? And my answer is always the same of that. All I hope is that if they, if they give it a chance to see it, that they, when it's done, they can say to themselves, that was time well spent. I'm really glad I took the time to watch this. And in this particular instance, all I can say is I, I, I more than ever feel that, there, that, that, that this, this has that kind of capability to, to, to cause that to be a, a, a worthwhile experience. Because it's not just entertainment. It's not just amusement. It's not just a feel-good thing. There's humor in it. It's funny. It's touching. It's shocking. It's all those things. But it's real. It's when I first read the pilot script, when they sent it to me, my agent sent it to me and said, there's the, they're interested in me to play to do this new show for Amazon called As We See. And I look at the script and I read it. And, and they said, it's going to shoot in Chicago. They're going to shoot the whole series in Chicago. And I read it and I said, this is one of the best things I've read in my career, but I'm not going to Chicago. I love Chicago. It's my hometown. <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not uprooting my life anymore. I mean, that was yeah, the whole yeah, thing. Yeah. My family, I said, no, I'm not doing it. I said, but I want to meet the guy who wrote this. Yeah. To let him know how much I think this is terrific and how I think it's important. This Jason Kadams, who had done Parenthood and Friday Night Lights, 
He's a mm. wonderful writer. And, and he, you know, he has a, in his personal life, he has you know, son on the spectrum. So it made sense that he was writing this now. So I took the meeting. And I, I remember walking in the meeting in his office, and he's there with a couple of assistants. And I said, Jason, this is one of the finest things I've read in my career. I think this is going to be a very successful show. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to Chicago. And I just want to let you know, if for anything reason is changes, and you shoot this thing locally here in California, I'm in. That's all I could tell you. I said, I really got nothing else to say, but I wanted to meet you to let you know how grateful I am as a father of a child with autism that you've done this beautiful thing that's so, because this, this is the real deal. I mean, this is not a pretend show because they, they don't all become doctors like a, the good doctor and they don't. Right, and, right, and the right. The fact that he was going to use the actors were going to be really on the spectrum. And, and they, they hired 12 people on the crew that mm-hmm. were on the spectrum. So, I mean, they really put their money where their mouth is. And I saw, so I thought, this is beautiful. Well, as it turned out, about a month or so later before they went in, to, you know, this was early stages. I get the phone call from my agent says, you know what, for whatever reasons, maybe you had some influence. Maybe Jason didn't want to necessarily, he needed a little more juice to go to Amazon and say, look, I don't want to go to Chicago. Joe doesn't want to go to Chicago. <laughs> Can we do it in LA? He said, they're going to do it in LA. I said, I'm in. I said, I'm in. I told him I'd do it. I'll do it. Not even knowing what the other seven scripts are going to be because I don't even the initial do a pilot. And if it got picked up, we would do it like eight and see what happens, which is what we did. Uh, and I feel having done all eight of them, I'm, I'm very proud of it. I feel it's, it's a beautiful series and, you know, yeah. and we'll see. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I've been in the business long enough to know that like, like, that may be it. Amazon may say, yeah, well, whatever, for our business reasons, we don't want to do anymore. If that's the case, fine. But we did them. But yeah. my hope is it will continue because the response has been great. The reviews have been wonderful. All the response I get has been wonderful. So, yeah. To answer again your question, I hope people say, "I'm glad I watched that. I, 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 that was time well spent. I'm yeah. glad I took the time." And that's all I hope for. That it touches otherwise it's a personal. Minds. Yeah, yeah, it's a personal response. So how it affects them is only they can answer that. Yeah, and we never know the timing on these things. You're right. It may be a, a huge hit years from. I'm thinking Capra said his "It's a Wonderful Life" was a bomb when it came out. That's and right. now it's where everybody goes to for Christmas time, you know? So in That's God's right. time, That's right. uh, as I see, as and, we and see. And when I did, I don't know how familiar you were with that series, Joan of Arcadia. Were you familiar with that at all? I, Barbara Hall's a friend. Okay. So yeah. there you go. Because there was that same thing. I had a development deal at the time with CBS. I could have done any series. They, they had like, they sent me a stack of scripts like this. And they said, pick a show with green light. And I read all these scripts, and of course, a lot of them was like the, the lead character was, hey, it's me, it's Italian guy, it's, you know, da, 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 I could play this guy. Then I read that script, and I thought, oh my God. I said, <laughs> I, I can't be a 17-year-old girl. I can't be the lead in this show. <laughs> I said, but I don't care. I have the power to make yeah. this show happen. Yeah. They said I, they will greenlight any show I agreed to do. I'll play the dad on this show, because this show, I think, should be done. Wow. I'm so glad. And I, I, I have no regrets that I, I wish we would have done one of the two seasons. Yeah. But I, I feel wonderful about those two uh, seasons. And, and, yeah. And, you know, now there have been a few other shows that kind of address the God question. But that was really, truly the first in so many ways. It was groundbreaking thought, in a lot of ways, you know. And, and the way they did it, I just thought it was beautifully yeah. done. It was yeah. beautifully done. Because it, without, you know, they, 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 they did it as, as we talked about. It was like they, they, they didn't. They didn't pound in one kind of right. 
belief or over yeah. another, but just more of that whole thing. Higher God power. Is, God is who you think he is yeah. or she is or wherever you want to go. Right, right, right. <laughs> now you're echoing John Paul I. Remember the Pope that only had one month? John of Paul I. I, I uh, did Godfather III, which kind of, that's right, of course. <laughs> kind of dealt with that. <laughs> he said, uh, he was talking about the Our Father in one of his general conferences that he had. And he said, you know, we call him our father, but if God is all good and all love, he's got to be our mother too. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm sure some of the cardinals didn't like that, but I, I thought he was right on target. Well, you, you know, know, it's usually, it's usually the popes that tend to kind of stir, stir the drink a little quick that cause, <laughs> that cause a little controversy. I mean, I'm old enough to remember, you know, Pope John the 23rd. Yeah. And I, rem yeah. I remember the kind of, Meshuggah kind of mess that he kind of created with the Vatican Council back at the yep. time. It was like, what's going on? But I also remember, because I was going to Catholic school at that time, mm -hmm. and I remember how the, a lot of the nuns were kind of like, you know what? No, so, we like this chubby guy. This guy's got something <laughs> going here. You know what I mean? And so for that short term he had, he, 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 he you know, he stirred the waters a little bit. He sure which did. Which I think, as you know, needs to maybe happen every once in a while. I, I, I Bless God every day for him. I love his line. He has in his diary, he's having a bad day at the Vatican, and he says, uh, uh, Lord, it's your church. I can't do anything more. I'm going to bed. Uh, that was him. He was a real human being. And his other line was, uh, you know, pray as if everything depended on God, but work as if everything depended on you. And and that's that's what you and Arlene do, you know. You do God's work every day. Um, I'm going to thank you for being on and just say, uh, Joe, you're wonderful. Thank you so so much, Jim. As are you. This was this was probably the most enjoyable interview I've, I've ever done. Well, thank you. Uh, and I, I'm not just saying it. I'm not just saying it. I, I feel a personal connection to you. I I, I realized the day you sent me that letter about yeah. Matt, there was something about it, and and, and 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 I and I remember when I delivered it to to Murphy and the girls oh. that I said to them, I said, "This is something you, I want you guys to have because this is." You know, not having really, you know, known that, that much about you. But, it, well, like I said, I, you, know, you understand, you get it. There's, we, we've already made, it's a mitzvah. We've made a connection. It's a mitzvah. We, <laughs> and, 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 and I'm very happy for this. Uh, I am too. Uh, I, I have a guy in Chicago, somewhat like the Father Fragamini, who I don't know if you know. Another good the, Italian. Good. <laughs> yeah, but he, he, he is the, the Monsignor for the Shrine of Pompeii, oh, Our Lady of Pompeii, which is the church my parents were married in Chicago. Oh. And it's that same thing. He was the he, he married Schwarzenegger and Shriver. He was he's out of Boston, and then from Boston he went to Chicago and now is the priest at the, at Pompeii. But I, 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 they contacted me maybe twenty years ago to do a video for them to help you know support the shrine, which I did, and I, and I met him and. We had a similar kind of connection, like you and I are having. Not quite as strong as this. You, 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 you've, you've displaced him as number one. Like you're, my, you're now my go-to priest. We won't any time at all. We won't tell well, him that. Jim, it's the truth. I'm, I'm just one. You're the last guy I'm going to lie to. So yeah, uh, uh, it's the truth. You've, you've just become the number one priest in, in my life. Anyway. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. As we end today's program, I want to thank you all for being with us. If you need to reach out to me for any reason, you can get me at personallyspeakingpodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to see past episodes, go to YouTube and punch in Personally Speaking with Monsignor General Santi. And please don't forget to click like and subscribe. I'm privileged to serve as host and executive producer of Personally Speaking. Our producer is Lisa Jandovitz. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be with you again next time on Personally Speaking.